Hey there. My name is Corinne O'Flynn, and you're listening to the Calm Entrepreneur Podcast. I am a USA Today bestselling author, nonprofit executive, and organizing nerd with over 20 years' experience running my own small businesses. I teach entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and small business owners like you how to organize your business, find more time, and deepen your alignment practice to experience more calm and confidence every single day. If you're looking for that intersection between practical business advice and spiritual goodness, then you're in the right place. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into this week's episode of the Calm Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the Calm Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Corinne O'Flynn, and this is episode 12. So I'm not sure the rest of the world is aware, but we had a very big holiday in my neck of the woods. And when I talk about my neck of the woods, I mean in like my own head, because as a professional in this field, I I think it's just so exciting. But Monday, which is yesterday, if you're listening to this on the day that we launch this episode, yesterday, March 13th, was National Napping Day. It also happens to be the first day of daylight savings time here in the world where all of us have pushed the clocks forward and lost an hour overnight. And so the sun sets later and it's starting to feel like winter is leaving us and it's glorious. But we also have had a whole hour of sleep stolen from us and everybody is feeling it. So National Napping Day was created in 1999 by a Boston University professor named William Anthony, PhD, and his wife, Camille Anthony. And they did so to spread awareness about the importance of getting enough sleep. And so the date was chosen because studies have shown that people were already at their most tired and sleep deprived right after daylight savings time was pushed in. So. As a self-proclaimed professional napper, it has been something that I have embraced as part of my adult life since before I can, before kids, as far back as I can remember. I think sleep is something that we are all in so much need of. And it's the first thing that we sacrifice when we find ourselves in a crunch of any kind. So in honor of National Napping Day, and because we're all dragging as a result of this stolen hour from Daylight Savings Time, I wanted to talk about self-care and why self-care needs to stop being a luxury and it needs to start becoming a vital part of all of our lives, and especially if you are an entrepreneur. Because self-care is part of productivity. Self-care is productive. So why is it so hard for us to prioritize self-care if it's this important? So I think that the template for the old way of working, the old system where we revere working at all hours and burning the candle at both ends as the requirement, as, as the baseline, as the norm, as the only path to success, I think that template has a big part of why we find self-care so hard to prioritize. It's almost shameful to claim those hours because that's not what work looks like, right? That's not what it looks like when you're successful in your business. In In order to be successful, you have to work all the time, right? And that persists because it's what's expected. It's the model. It's how we think things should be measured. And I put should in quotation 
quotation marks because should is one of those words that we need to just get rid of. Um, the old way of working isn't, isn't working anymore. And if it isn't working, then, then why do we keep getting stuck here? And it's, you know, because the old way has deep roots. It's a mindset that has been ingrained in our society for generations. And it was the product of a world that doesn't really exist as the norm anymore. That world was the one where men went to the office, right? Did the nine to five. And they did their work while women, their wives, stayed home and handled the children and the running of the household, right? And I'd like to take a moment as an aside here to say that I know that there are many families today for whom this model still works. There are so many where one partner is working and the other is managing the home and the family. And I think that's great. Like, to be clear, I have all respect for families that use this model. And this was me in the not too distant past when I had um, four little kids at home. I was a stay at home mom. So that's a wonderful and it's a valid choice for those of you who, who choose that. So I'm not here to debate the, the merits of the model, right? But I bring it up because the business world has changed in so many ways, and yet the expectations that we have for ourselves have not, right? The ability to work from home, the ability to run a side gig while holding a day job, the ability to create a full-time enterprise while also managing a family under the same roof. This is what business looks like for many, many people and more and more and more people each day. And yet people running their own businesses, entrepreneurs still look to that old template as the standard for what should be happening. We must work an eight hour day. We must make more and more and more or else we're a failure. We must also have dinner on the table every night for our families. We must also get the kids to all the places they need to be. And if there aren't enough hours in the day, well, then you must lose some beloved sleep so you can keep it all going. Right? Does that sound familiar? I know that I'm not alone in this one. So one of the pinch points for people today, especially entrepreneurs and especially women entrepreneurs, is that we are still shedding that old template as the ideal, right? The idea that we have to do it all and be all the things and work all the hours just to match up and find success doesn't fit anymore. And I'm not saying that that, that can't be a way to measure your success. I, I don't want to cast dispersions or cast shade on anybody who has found a way to make it work. Because if it works for you, that's groovy, but that's not the majority. That's not the people that I work with. Those are not my clients. That's everybody that I talk to about this is, is screaming from within to try to find a different way, but we're stuck in this external measure of what looks like success. What does success look like? How can we call ourselves a success if we're flailing in some departments and not others and if we're not holding it all together? So I'm here to advocate that there is no longer a need for that one-size-fits-all metric for how we look at success and how we look at work. It just It just doesn't work anymore. So the belief that in order to succeed in life, one must work tirelessly and push through exhaustion and sacrifice personal well-being for the sake of their career 
needs to change, right? It's just, it's not sustainable. Working nonstop and neglecting self-care is not a sustainable way to live. Eventually, burnout will catch up with you. Exhaustion will catch up with you. And ultimately, your work and your your productivity are going to suffer, right? So it's important to prioritize self-care and rest to maintain a healthy and sustainable balance in that place. And it's sneaky how this keeps getting reinforced. And I've told this story before, but I think it's relevant here, so I'm going to share it again. And before I do, I want to make sure that it's clear that I am not harshing on men. I am truly not, right? I have nothing but respect. I have a house full of men. They're they're wonderful. It's the system that speaks to us in this way. And and it speaks to us to the detriment of men as well. Men and women who are trying to work in the modern way where we're working from home, where we're doing side gigs, where we're raising families and choosing these things in order to to chase that freedom, that time freedom, to be able to do the kind of work we want to do when and where we want to do it, men and women both suffer under this ideal of what it's supposed to look like. So this is for everybody. This is not just for women, but because of the system that we live under, right? This patriarchal system, it it hurts women more readily, I guess, or more frequently, or it's easy to spot when it's hitting on the way that women try to work and the women try to to carve out their their life in this world, right? So the story that I wanted to share happened years ago. I was in the audience and I was listening to this really successful indie author. He was being interviewed um, and he was talking about his books and all the things that he was doing and all the things that he was planning. And he was prolific. Like he was writing upwards of 10,000 words a day. And I'm trying to do the math in my head while I talk to you. Like, okay, so I think a thousand words is four pages. So 40 pages of, of prose, of, of fiction a day. That's a lot for anybody. So eventually someone in the audience asked, you know, describe a day in the life. What does it look like for you? as a successful author, what is, what is it like? Show me the keys. And so he's talked about his morning routine and how he woke up and he got dressed. And then he went to the kitchen where his partner had breakfast and coffee waiting and he had his breakfast and he hung out with his family and his partner got the kids ready and going on their day. And then he stepped out the back door and walked down the hill to the little cabin on their property where he worked. He sat down, got to writing. And then it was lunchtime. He went back to the house, joined his family, had some lunch that it was prepared for him, went back to his cabin, and then he came back for dinner. And then he hung out, tucked the kids in, you know, had time with his partner. And then they went to bed and, you know, did it all the very next day. And I think that it's wonderful that this situation for him allows that. It's clearly working for them. And he has seen some wonderful success with his business and he's supporting his family. That's beautiful. But afterward, And the reason why I share this with you, afterward, so many other people from the audience were talking about how his system was so amazing and how he was so productive. And in writing circles, like word count achievements, there's this phenomenon that it takes on. It's almost like the four minute mile. Like once the four minute mile was breached, suddenly everyone's mindset shifted and we're like, well, I can write 10,000 words in a day. I can write 12,000 words in a day. And so when we know that somebody can write like the wind and produce 10,000 words a day, we want that too, right? Because the more you write, the more you can publish, the more you can publish, the, the, the more money you can make. This is, this is, 
this is success, right? I mean, so all of these people from the audience were so excited to try to get to that level of writing production. They were talking about how they were going to go home and they were going to train themselves to do this thing. And they were going to, they were going to create this whole new approach to the way that they work. And I was like, wait a second, you guys, you're missing like a really big part of his system. And what they were missing, which I'm sure that, you know, you can see it for yourself, is that he's enjoying this level of production. It's only possible because that's all he was doing. There was somebody else managing the rest of everything else. And again, I'm not casting aspersions. I remember hearing this interview and saying, damn, I need a wife, right? So good for him and good for everybody who has that kind of support. I share this because unless you have that support, it's not possible to have that kind of a business model. It just won't work. So the reason why I share this is because we need to take a wider view when it comes to modeling what work should look like. Like, What does it need to look like? We can't just adopt the ways that life works for other people. Trying to adhere to what that guy was doing in his business is great, but when you're the one who's also handling the house and the pets and the kids and the meals and the doctor's appointments and school drop-off and pickup and homework and like you see where I'm going, right? It's it's not possible. And it's a one-way road to burnout and disappointment and really just knocking yourself out of flow. And the same holds true for the old system, right? The old system is as out of reach for us today, as this guy's is for somebody who doesn't have somebody supporting them. It doesn't fit everybody. It just doesn't. Trying to maintain a work schedule that doesn't fit affects our mental health, right? Neglecting self-care and pushing through exhaustion is what is required to maintain this, right? And this can have negative effects on our mental health. It's important to prioritize well-being as it is, as it directly impacts our ability to perform and succeed in our business and in our lives, right? Working nonstop and neglecting self-care may seem efficient. It may seem like the only way to get things done, but it's actually not. The opposite is what's true here. When we are exhausted and we get burnt out, our, pro- our productivity and our creativity suffers and we become more prone to making mistakes, and we make poor decisions. So it's time to change the outdated mindset of, you know, burning the candle at both ends and start prioritizing self-care and using well-being as the measure for what is successful, right? It's not, it's not only beneficial for us as individuals, but it, like the world needs this, society needs this as a whole. We need to create a culture that values and supports Self-care, mental health, and personal well-being. And this means taking breaks and setting boundaries and really prioritizing ourselves, right? And so here are five benefits to prioritizing self-care. Number one, which I think should come as absolutely no surprise, it reduces stress and anxiety, right? So chronic stress and anxiety have such a detrimental effect on our physical and mental well-being. Like we know this. Incorporating self-care activities like exercise, meditation, and journaling, even if it's for like 10 minutes a day, can help reduce our stress levels and and improve overall well-being. 
I had heard recently uh, something anecdotal that talked about how if a person is um, subjected to birdsong, the sounds of birds chirping, whether it's a recording or if they step outside and they're able to hear birds chirping, for as little as like 15 seconds, they have seen a measurable decline in stress. It's kind of like um, watching a fish tank. Like we've, we've, We know the science shows us that those things actually have a beneficial effect. Like it's instantaneous, right? So it also, it helps us improve our physical health, right? Regular exercise, healthy eating, getting enough sleep. These are all self-care practices. They reduce the risk of chronic diseases, right? Healthy eating and adequate sleep can help improve energy and our overall feeling of well-being. And it helps us also become resilient in our mindset. It helps us bounce back from setbacks. It helps us know that there is hope. We know that restoration is possible because we're experiencing it on a daily, right? On a daily cycle, we're, we're tapping into recharging. Like you plug in your phone every day, right? Why don't you plug yourself back in? Like, think about it like that. Reason number three for self-care is that it enhances mental clarity and focus, right? Especially if you incorporate things like um, meditation and mindfulness, the increase in your mental clarity and focus is like exponentially increased by the amount of time that you give to this practice. And I know that it's so hard for many people to sit in meditation, but I'm telling you, like, it's the medicine, you guys. Start off with five minutes, go to YouTube and download a free guided meditation and, you know, work on just sitting and being. And you know, I'm going to do an episode on meditation, I think, because I think that when I talk to people about meditation, they struggle because they're like, well, I don't know how to quiet my mind. I don't know how to how to sit there without my thoughts overwhelming me. And like, and that's not the point. Like, the point is to have your thoughts. The point is to just, you know, observe your thoughts. Anyway, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to make a note to myself that I think maybe next week I'll do an episode on on meditation and make sure that we talk a little bit more deeply about that because I think that we're seeing more and more the benefits of meditation in particular um, as a slow practice and as a means of self-care. But as far as like the practical where it can actually help you with mental clarity and focus, like it's, it's unparalleled. It also reduces stress and it, that will help you with productivity and creativity in your life. Right. But it also, it does something else. It, it, it brings us hope. And it brings us present moments. It brings us into the moment where where we're living, right? We only all we have is right now. So reason number four why we need to incorporate self self-care is because it boosts our confidence and our self-esteem. Right? When you start taking care of yourself physically and taking care of yourself mentally, you're going to see an improvement in your self-esteem because it boosts your confidence and it makes you feel good about yourself. Right. And when you feel like you're recharged and you know that you have this, this practice in your back pocket, it helps you learn to face challenges. And it helps you know that you're going to have this outlet for decompressing. Right. And that's going to bring you a positive attitude in any moment. Right. And 
I want to, I want to share that like you can, if you feel that you're about to like jump on a meeting with somebody on Zoom or you're about to get in your car and go to this event and you're feeling really stressed, like when you get where you're going, don't do it while you're driving. When you get where you're going, sit in your chair in the car, right? Turn off the radio and just sit, eyes closed and, and listen to your breath. Two nice, big, deep breaths. Three minutes. The same thing if you're sitting at your desk about to get on a Zoom. Three minutes with your eyes closed, with your posture straight, with your shoulders relaxed, breathing in and breathing out. Just three minutes will shift your energy and it'll make you feel more present and ready to take in whatever it is that's about to come. So I, yeah, I'm definitely going to talk about this in a future episode. And finally, the my number five reason for incorporating self-care is about improving your relationships. When you incorporate things into your daily routine that are like exercise and meditation and um, even eating better, but napping, like anything that you can think of where you're prioritizing your well-being, this will... Re- improve your relationships because when you take care of yourself, you're no longer feeling this drag from your physical body or your mental body. So you can be more present, which allows you to be more engaged in your relationships, which leads to deeper connections and improved communication. Like there's just, there's no the other, there's no disputing these things. All right. So now that we've established the importance of self-care, what now, right? How can you bring this into your life in practical ways. I'm so glad you asked. So here are five ways that you can get started. Number one, I just mentioned it a moment ago, practice mindfulness. So practicing mindfulness involves being present in the moment and focusing on the now rather than worrying about the future or dwelling on the past. Okay, so mindfulness is not just meditation, but it can be meditation. It can just be listening to your breath. It can be yoga. It can be, it can be drawing. It can be sitting completely still with your eyes closed outdoors and trying to identify every last thing that you hear. Anything that brings you into now and makes you focus on what is happening right now is mindfulness. And it's, it's free. It's easy. And all it requires is your belief that it's possible. Just sit and try it. And I, I promise you, set a timer if you're if you're thinking that you're gonna struggle with it, like and maybe maybe track yourself. Use a streak tracker and say, you know, today I'm gonna start with one minute. And then tomorrow, two minutes, and then the next day, four minutes, and the next day, five minutes, and the next day, eight minutes. Try to challenge yourself to build a mindfulness practice. And there's so many different ways to do this and the each of them are just beautiful, but you know, to each his own, I really do encourage uh, practicing mindfulness. So the next way that you can incorporate self-care into your everyday is by engaging in regular exercise, right? So we all know that regular exercise has physical and mental health benefits, right? I can't, there's no point in me trying to go into all the details here. Like that's something that is known. So consider incorporating daily exercise into your daily routine. And for me, I am on a streak. I take 30 minutes a day of exercise 
every single day, even if that means a low impact walk, which I do on my rest days or a really hairy jog or run, which is like on my worst days because <laughs> it's not fun. Um, but I do, I have a streak going and I was challenged by a girlfriend of mine, uh, and we have iPhone, iWatches or whatever, Apple watches, and they had the little health circles and she challenged me to close my rings every day. And I, on the day I'm recording this, I'm on day 275 of not missing a single day where I took 30 minutes of exercise in some way daily. So don't complicate this. Just find a way to move, walking, lifting weights. Um, treadmill, swimming, yoga, anything at all. Get your body moving. And I challenge you to, to start a streak and share that with me because I think there's nothing more powerful than community when it comes to this kind of stuff. So my third uh, suggestion for how to create uh, more self-care, how to incorporate more self-care into your daily is creating a bedtime routine. Now, I have already shared with you morning routines and, and evening routines for your business and for your day and then your shutdown routine at night. But a bedtime routine is something that can do so much for improving our sleep quality and reducing our stress. So the way that you do this is by really choosing something that is a relaxation activity like um, reading or taking a bath or something that's going to improve relaxation. I'm going to say turn off the screens and, you know, not working right up until bed. There are uh, lots of different ways that you can incorporate a bedtime routine, make it a ritual so that, you know, your body understands this is what we're doing. And the next step is getting into bed and putting that head down on the pillow. Um, this is one, again, where even I struggle. Like, I'm a night owl. And as much as I would love to have like, you know, a nine o'clock bed bedtime, I just don't. But I still struggle because certain days I have to get up early. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Like, why am I doing this to myself? So I think the bedtime thing, which is how I started this episode talking about, you know, International Napping Day. Sleep is one of the most powerful things that we can do for ourselves. And it's the first thing we give away. It's the first thing we sacrifice when, when push comes to shove and we're looking at a crunch sleep is the first thing we, we sacrifice. And it's, we have to change that because it's just so bad for us. Um, and my next, my next suggestion is to engage in creative play, right? And this is something that I talked about, um, in an earlier episode on slow practices, which was episode nine which I'll link to in the show notes. But engaging in, in creative activities like painting and writing and playing music and dancing, they can help reduce stress levels and improve mental clarity. You know, so not only are you engaging a different part of your brain when you're doing stuff like this, but you're slowing down your mind and you're slowing down your body, which again, it's just so important. We, we are moving at such a pace every single day. And I think that, you know, we lose sight of the need for what our bodies are crying out for and what our minds are craving. And again, this all, the reason why that we get caught up in this is because we're measuring ourselves against a yardstick that just does not fit. Right? So, so push back against that and engage in creative play and set us set a time. So 
not only should you do things on the daily for your self-care, but when it comes to creative self-play, I believe it's really important. And this is something that I'm actually doing. And I have to work at holding myself to this because it's just, it feels, it feels so extra. It feels like, who do you think you are carving an hour or two out of your work week to paint? which is exactly what I'm doing. I'm uh, learning watercolor paint and I'm actually starting out by not learning. I'm just playing because I don't want to take a class just yet. I will take a class, but I want to play first and I'm doing it mindfully for play. But I have now put an hour on my calendar every single week, just one hour a week where I turn off everything. I sit in a different location than my office and I break out my brand new little watercolor set that my family got me for Christmas and I paint. I have no idea what I'm going to paint. You know, it doesn't really look very good as, you know, compared to somebody who's doing it professionally, but it makes me so happy, you guys. So creative play is something that's so much fun. And another one that I used to do a lot, but I haven't done in a long time is, is knitting. And, um, a girlfriend of mine is a knitter and we meet in an accountability group and she knits while we're on the call. And I'm like, oh, I'm just so tempted. So I actually pulled mine out, but I don't have any projects yet. I'm just kind of making a little square to get back into the flow of that. But it's, you know, when did those things fall away? And those things fell away as soon as I started feeling like I had to work more to do the things I needed to do. And it's just, it's killing us, you guys. And finally, I'm going to say, at the risk of beating a dead horse, my last one is to prioritize me time. So a daily bedtime routine, taking breaks, doing all the delicious things we need to do on the daily. I really think that we need to carve out time for ourselves, just like you'd schedule a meeting, right? You can do anything. For me, I do this on a monthly basis and I get a massage and it's such an indulgence in some ways, but then in other ways, I'm like, gosh, this is, this is required, right? And I, and I realize like what a privilege it is to be able to do that. But even in the times when I didn't have the time and even in the times when I didn't have money to do it, I found a way to prioritize something that really spoke to me giving back to me. Right. So whatever your love language is, right. For me, it's, it's touch. <laughs> um, you know, and my husband does not like to give me feet massages. So I'll go get a pedicure. So it's one of those things. Just find a way to, to really prioritize me time and call it me time and schedule it and do something on purpose during your work hours for you. Right. Even if it's staring out the window. So whenever you find yourself feeling the pressure from within your mind, a pressure that says that you should be working this way or that your time should be managed in that way, I urge you to take a look at where that push is coming from. Are you feeling that old yardstick of comparing you to a system that doesn't fit you? And if so, I want you to shake that off and take a look at how you can start to incorporate self-care into your daily routine because I do believe that self-care is the first step to push that away and and to develop a new way of measuring your own success and your own output and your own daily expectations. And there are many ways 
to look at how you can start incorporating self-care into your routine. And just as there are that many ways, there are that many benefits. But the most important of them all is the reminder, right? The belief that as an entrepreneur, you are in charge. So as you begin to prioritize self-care and improve your overall well-being, which is going to happen if you do, you will sow the seeds of vitality into your life that will allow you to reap the rewards later. And they will just keep on giving. And I think that the more we do this for ourselves, the more we give ourselves the gift of self-care, the less of a gift it becomes because it just becomes the way that it needs to be. It becomes, it becomes a priority. It stops becoming special and it starts becoming the thing that has to happen in order for us to plug in like, a, like we plug in our phones and recharge our batteries each and every day. Okay, so that's all I have for you this week. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next week. Remember, part of being a calm entrepreneur is developing the systems, habits, and know-how that lets you know that you are the one in the driver's seat. You get to choose how you run your business, and you get to choose how you work. So you got this. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Calm Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Corinne O'Flynn, and if this episode was valuable to you, please head on over and rate and review wherever you consume your podcasts. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. New episodes go out each week on Tuesdays, and I look forward to hanging with you again. This is Corinne signing off. Have an excellent day. Hello, hello, Corinne here. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast. If you like what I'm sharing here, then I have a special invitation for you. It's my brand new membership called Be Inward. We are growing a unique community that's redefining what it means to be a successful entrepreneur. It's a place where we constantly ask ourselves, what if we made well-being the goal? If you're tired of the constant hustle and feeling like you're never fully present in any aspect of your business, then check out Be Inward. It might be exactly what you've been searching for. I invite you to join a movement that embraces an integrated work and life philosophy where your business fuels your life and your life inspires your work. Take a whole new perspective on entrepreneurship that supports every aspect of your being, personal, professional, and spiritual. And this is the best part. Right now, you can become a founding member for just $33 a month. That's a little more than a dollar a day. As a founding member, you not only lock in the lowest rate this membership will ever be, but you'll also get a say in shaping what Be Inward becomes as it grows. Right now, Be Inward offers guided practices based on monthly themes, weekly cosmic weather reports, human design education and coaching, group healing EFT sessions, live topical Q&A and learning sessions, instant access to our growing learning library of self-paced courses, and weekly co-working and accountability. Help us shape our vision. There's much more coming every day. So get organized, find more time, learn a new system, and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs who are walking the same path with you.
So join me and join Be Inward because who you be is all that matters and you find out who you are by looking inward. Thank you.